Well, the big storyline has been Lamar Jackson has been absent from football school. And we talk about why that's not such a big deal compared to what it's being made of by some. All that and much more coming up next here on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. And we're here as always on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here, making us your first listen each and every day. We're free and available all podcasting platforms, including on YouTube. You can subscribe for free. No money involved, both audio and video. And we're rounding out the week on Purple Friday with a red guest, as you can see on the video. It's Kadri <laughs> Ismael. Or Baltimore Ravens wide receiver and Super Bowl champion, new backgrounds, and of course, just emitting that red light over there. And it's it's first time with this background, Q. And I think this is the first time the Ravens are doing the football school. I don't, I don't recall, at least I don't remember something like this. this. Is this is before the voluntary OTAs? So it's these two sessions, you know, offensive install, defensive install, and stuff like that. But it's a good way for guys to get to the facility get that camaraderie going early, but there have been a couple of names that haven't been there. Namely, I know the big one is Lamar Jackson. Okay. So first of all, I'm at my training facility and it's called photobiomodulation. And and basically it's red light therapy. Uh, I really believe in light. It really makes a big difference on the way your body reacts to your environment and how you're able to recover. So there's that. When it comes to recovery and getting yourself ready for the offseason into the end season, the collective bargaining agreement was put into place to help out people who are trying to make the team, but also veterans who already are in a good position to make a team and really don't want to get beat down before the season starts by overzealous coaches. And so they, you know, went from having mini camps to just calling them. OTAs, organized team activities. But well, now it's even morphed into furthering of what they call just football school where you have your off-season programming, but you can also be interacting with the coaches. And I think that's really important because I could be in the best shape of my life, but if I don't know your scheme, how am I going to be able to just go out there and play? I don't want to you know, be thinking about it. I want to be out there and Hey, you want me to go to that gap or you want me to press the edge or you want me to disguise this coverage or, hey, look, on this particular audible, you're saying when that guy comes up to the line, I'm going to break off my route this way. And all those little details, it gets you a chance to just work on your game, improve upon it. And I think that's where, yeah, you have your collective bargained uh, offseason training now. When it comes to the stars and the studs of your team, bruh, this has been going on for millennia. When it comes to guys like Lamar Jackson, if I'm a coach, I technically, I really don't want to see him. You'll say, well, what do you mean, Kyle? How come you don't want to see him? I mean, isn't this an opportunity to coach him? It's not that it's not an opportunity to coach him. Sure, you want to go ahead and have a potential to, to implement some things and he could see or tweak or whatever. 
but I want him fresh for when it all matters. My job, I'm going to get fired if we have a season that is not a productive season. So Lamar Jackson's success depends upon my uh, welfare as far as my family and providing for them. Why would I want to beat him down in meaningless offseason work? Now, it might not be meaningless in the sense of, yeah, sure, organized team activities that are mandatory, but those voluntary ones, bruh, I don't want to see you. And I think it's good that, you know, guys get away and then all of a sudden they go ahead and take it to the next level. What is that next level? That next level is them doing their thing uh, at some facility and then they get together when it is an organized fashion at the Ravens facility. And kind of going off what you said, I think for a lot of people, like, look, personally, my preference, yeah, you know, Lamar, it would be nice if he was there, especially with the implementation of a new offense. But then, you know, it's it's the extreme other side of it where people are saying, well, he's not a leader for not showing up. He's not going to be prepared by not showing up. You know, he's doing the, the team and the fans of his service by not showing up. Look, I understand if there's a little frustration because, you know, you want him there. But at this, like, look, it's voluntary, first of all. He does not, it's not required. He's not holding out or anything. And another thing is he's still working like with his team by himself. It's not like he's sitting around just lounging. He hasn't done anything since, you know, the injury he's been working. We have seen a couple of videos surface. I believe he was with Nelson Aguilar working in, down in Florida. So it's not like he's not even working with his teammates. Like you see, he has people there who he's working with. And on top of that, Q, the point I've been making is we went through this whole thing last offseason. We had this exact conversation actually last offseason where it was, oh, should he be there? She, and it's different now in a, in a better way because Lamar has the contract signed. Look, if we get the training camp and he's not there, then the concerns can be real. But there's no reason for him to not be at training camp because he has his contract and he's ready to go. That is not, you know, we're not even in the voluntary OTA section yet. And he missed the stuff last offseason. In the first three weeks of the season last year, Q, what happened he played like the MVP of the league before, obviously, he had some struggles towards the end. But there was all the talk about, well, he's not going to be prepared for the start of the year. He's not going to pick up the stuff. I know it's a bit different this offseason because you're trying to get up to speed with Todd Munkin's system. You know, him being there with Todd Munkin, sure, it'd be a benefit, and I'd prefer to see him there. But I'm not going to say that Lamar is this terrible leader or doesn't care about football or care about the team because he's not there. He's just doing his own thing, and to me, that is completely okay. Every point you made is spot on. When you look at the way teams are are put together, you do know that, yes, when we get paid a certain amount, that puts on, you know, the pressure or mantle of leadership, of expectations, of demand, of winning, of all those things. But there's also a thing called this is a violent sport. This is a violent sport that, yes, it is so violent that it also mentally affects you as well. If you can get away and when you come back, you are fresh, ready to go, that's more valuable to you, the player, you, the teammate, you, the coach, you, the coaching staff, you, the position, all of it, all the way up into the organization, all the way to the fan base. So I think the fan base needs to just chill out and you know continue to just do what they do as far as like, yeah. It, it's it's all about nothing, really. I think it's one of those cases where for Lamar Jackson, he feels very confident and comfortable with his offseason routine. You know, we, we've seen where he went from 2000, what was his first year, 2018? 
Remember we were talking about how he was throwing passes and they weren't as spiral? Like, my God, man, he went, worked on his game. You didn't even see him. And all of a sudden he comes back. He's the freaking league MVP. So I think, you know, he's more than proven himself capable of, yeah, adjusting to whatever weaknesses he might have and making it his strength. So I'm not even, I'm not even, the fact that you had Nelson Aguilar, uh, they posted it up. He was down in Coral Gables with him. Bruh, like, where are we going for lunch? Your treat. <laughs> he got that contract, so he's, you see he's what I'm saying? Like, let's do it. Don't even, don't even uh, worry about being up here. You're going to have long days. I want you to be ready for opening day, and I want you to be ready to go and, 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 and travel abroad and play against the Titans and things along those lines. Yeah, and I know you're you're obviously not saying they're going going out there during football school and playing full contact sixty minute games. Well, uh, Steve Saunders might have them doing that. I don't know what his what his deal. Hey man, F minus don't mess around. You got to be careful about that. Yeah. Woo. So uh, the the hopefully the strength staff's a little better this time around, and and they feel a little bit more comfortable with it. But I think for Lamar, kind of another. It's I thought about it a little bit too. Uh, I don't know what to call it, like a weird benefit almost of Lamar not being there if you want to call it that I don't know if benefit's the right word but you get Tyler Huntley and Anthony Brown these snaps with the first team guys who were there and obviously look Lamar's not there a lot of other veterans aren't there too so it's not the full team that's there but you're, you're getting guys like Tyler Huntley and Anthony Brown those snaps and again those are valuable you know Tyler Huntley got a lot of practice reps and Lamar was out and obviously got the game reps as well Anthony Brown got some game reps too the hope is Lamar doesn't get injured. You never know in the sport, anyone can get injured at any specific time, but you know, getting those guys snaps in with some of the guys that are there, you know, Zay flowers participated this time around. I don't think rookies were available for the first one, but the second time around the rookies were there. And I think again, this is something for the younger guys. I feel like where if veterans show up, that's awesome. You get the veteran leadership. You're able to, and that's great. You know, I give a lot of credit to Marlon Humphrey. I give a lot of credit to Roquan Smith and those guys for showing up. But to me, I think this football school is an opportunity for some of these young guys to get in with the coaches, figure things out. And if veterans are there, that's awesome. But again, if they're not there, I just, I just don't think it's the end of the world. I think the fact that I am trying to make the 53-man roster and Roquan Smith or Marlon Humphrey has it locked down, then like I, I really don't want them taking reps. I want all eyes on me. I want you to be wowed and say, okay, cool. We could use him on kickoff or kickoff return or, or punt or punt return. You know, I, I want you to see that I can be dependent upon uh, because I know I follow instructions and I can adapt my game and adjust to things. You know, that's the beauty of what we see when it comes to, you know, working with the coaches up close and personal in these, these type of OTAs. But, you know, if you're going to be one of those guys where you want your entire team there, I mean, you're, you're going to burn them out. You know, the guys who are there need to be there. The guys who aren't, I don't want Ronnie Stanley coming through that door. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to see Morgan Moses. I don't want to see all those guys. You know, is it important to develop chemistry? Sure, but we got a long time to develop all the chemistry in the world. 
Yeah, and again, the, the point that I want to continue to make is, again, this is a new thing. At least I, I think, again, I can't recall the time this has happened for them. This is before voluntary OTAs. This is literally before that. And I know Q, if Lamar doesn't show up for that, we're going to have the same conversation again because it's going to be the same type of discourse. So, again, look, it cool. it'd be cool if those guys, even just in the building and not practicing, right, getting to know some of the new coaches and new players. But at the end of the day, these guys don't need to be there. And I'm not saying that, you know, if all these veterans aren't there, if Lamar's not there, the Ravens, they can still win a Super Bowl. <laughs> if Lamar doesn't show up to these things, they can still win a Super Bowl if he does too. Either way, like, sure, it'd be awesome if Lamar was there, but at the end of the day, he's not. And I'm, I'm just not going to get too worked up about that right now because, again, it is voluntary. Lamar and the veterans are still – I mean, look, we saw Odell and Rashad Bateman working out together in the offseason. Like, these guys are still working hard. So I'm excited when everybody actually gets there, but for now, I'm just – I'm not making a huge deal about it. But coming up in the second segment, we talking a bit about David Ajabo, what Afe Owe, Mike McDonald, and what actually happened at football school on Wednesday. So be sure to stay tuned. A lot to dive into on Lockdown Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by Built. And if you're looking for a delicious snack, with all of the sugar and calories, you need the best tasting protein bar ever in Built. And if you're like me, you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste. I've got just a thing for you with Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and they taste amazing. What makes them so good is for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. And they only have 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you need to wait to get a box. You've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com. And now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. You can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. That's right. Head to nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section to grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a 4-bar box of cookies and cream bar, double chocolate bar, or coconut puff. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, you can grab a 13-bar box of their flavors, such as brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank you later. We're back. Our second segment, Locked on Ravens here, Purple Friday edition. Kevin Oshrek is still here with Kadri Ismael and Q with all the talk about who's not there at football school. Let's talk about who actually was there. David Ajabo, Adafe Owe talked to the media. There was a funny, funny moment with David Ajabo when he said he tried to get 55 from Terrell Suggs and Terrell Suggs said, oh, no, you don't. He said, yeah. oh, no, you do not. I, you know, look, there are a few players that can say no to that. Terrell Suggs is one of them. I think Terrell, like, it's so funny because – there are certain numbers that you've seen on the team. Um, yeah, like, I don't know if we'll ever see a 20 or a 52 again. Definitely not a 75. I think those three are, like, numbers that are lock, lock, lock. Uh, but you saw number five. You saw, uh, you know, guys who, you know, want to go down that path of single digits, change out, and, you know, put into those single digits that, you know, saw number three, you know, Matt Stover is in the ring of honor. And I know at the same time, James Prochet is, is crying over a little spilt milk because right now he ain't got number three anymore. Um, but I think the, the point I'm making is, is that, yeah, you know, I like the fact that the Ravens is, a, it's a young organization, but in its youth, in its powerfulness of its youth, it's had some tremendous um, players that have come through there and have developed a name number recognition. And the double nickel is so synonymous with Terrell Suggs. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what it is because when it you look at it, um, yeah, that that five right there to me is like a big one. Um, that's a Super Bowl MVP. 
in the whole nine yards, but it was it was uh, claimed, if you will. So I think if there's a moratorium, if there's a you know, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give our guy who who went to war for us, who won us a championship, an opportunity to uh, have the last say. And if he says no, then we're gonna wait a couple more years again. So that's how you do. And I, I think it's hilarious. I think it's classic Terrell Suggs. Yeah, and do you remember that that five discourse that people had? It it, it got toxic for because there were so many people on the one side where it was they shouldn't give it out. And then there are so many people on the other side where it's like, well, it's just a number. He only won the Super Bowl. It, it it was pretty toxic for a while with that number five. It was, you know, and I think um, numbers they 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 carry a ton of weight. Um, it looked weird, you know. For example, when you know the 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 meteoric rise of a Ray Rice, and and you would go to you know M and T. And I'm telling you, that 27 jersey, it rivaled easily 52, easily five. Like, I mean, I'd be doing the broadcast, and I'm like, wow, you know, you see 27 everywhere. And then, you know, once once it went down with what happened, you didn't see a single 2-7, you know, and then it was like, well, yeah. You kind of pause, and it's like an afterthought. Uh, it began with a defensive back. I forget the kid's name. But then it, you know, eventually, obviously, J.K. Dobbins. But uh, yeah, man, like numbers are 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 such powerful connectors between us and and our, our special players. I know for me, it was thirty four. Like you couldn't tell me nothing. I was Earl Campbell when I was growing up, and that thirty four was like I was like, yo, this is this is it. I'm 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 gonna be the next, you know fullback running over people whole nine yards but at the same time yeah when it comes down to it it holds special meaning to players it holds special meaning to uh the fan base and all of it you know you get your mojo from it what was that was that defensive back cyrus jones 27 cyrus jones wow look at you local local guy went to gilman i believe it was so oh i think people had his jersey and he had that crazy was a punt return against the raiders or something all the way all the way back he was on that 2018 team i think but i think right defensive back 27 the only one i think of is cyrus jones so maybe yeah yeah i can't think of but no i i'm I'm pretty sure that was him yeah yeah so it's crazy, you know, you got you look at a number and you kind of think, you know, you can kind of list off some of the players. And I think for me, 55 is one where I'm not sure I'm going to see that one again. 73 with Marshall Yanda is another one that I, I don't know if we're going to see that one. And, and I don't know, maybe eight slash one. We all know what happens with number one. If, if Lamar wins a Super Bowl, he said he's switching. Now, who knows if he actually does it? And we said that a couple of years ago. You know, maybe he stays true to it. I think it'd be cool to see him in the one because then everybody knows what happened. Like, everybody knows the storyline. And I tweeted it out a couple of – maybe it was a couple of weeks ago. And, like, I think half the fan base knew what I was saying and the other half didn't. They're like, what do you mean? Why would he switch out of eight? And I'll be like, you'll see why he switches out if they win. <laughs> so. For real. Come on. You guys got to keep up now. Goodness. Yeah, it, crazy. But numbers aside, Q – with David Ajabo and Lafayette, those are, I talked about it on yesterday's show. Those are two guys that I think have to step up in, in such a big way for them. I mean, the pass rush room, Justin Houston, and no one, you know, no veteran has come in. So it's going to be OA. It's going to be Ajabo. Can't forget about Ty Bowser in that conversation. But then after those three, I mean, Tavius Robinson is, I think, your four right now. So 
Owe, I think the expectations for him last year were super high. Did not live up to those. I think it was a disappointment for most. I know he was frustrated with his year two going from five sacks in his rookie year to three last year. David Ajabo only had one tackle and it was a strip sack on Joe Burrow. So what a, what a way to start your career. But those are two guys with Ajabo. You know, you can say it's probably his first year in the NFL, only playing in two games last year. But away entering year three, those are two guys that you, know, you can't pin it all on two players, but they could, depending on how the pass rush looks, make or break some of that Raven season. Well, let's start with uh, David Ajabo. First of all, he did a remarkable job of, of putting himself in position to get the strip sack because he rehabbed his butt off to get out there. Um, I think when it comes to his talent, it just showed his relentlessness and his ability to get to obviously a guy who is elusive in the pocket, can break tackles, and then throw the ball down a football field. I think that was really a game-changing moment too. So, you know, big plays all around the way in which, you know, he kind of put himself in and, and incorporated who he he was or is as a, uh, a rush guy. Adafi Owe, it's not that I am saying anything negative. I think for Adafi, it's one of those cases where your first rounder, you have tremendous talent, but we haven't seen you live fully up to said talent. You talked about the five going down to three. And I mean, if, if we use horseshoes and hand grenades, my God, he's fast-tracking himself to the Hall of Fame. It was amazing how quickly he would get around an edge, but then it was like he went to neutral and he couldn't finish. You know, I think if there was – every time, you know, you have an offseason, you you look at, you know, your season and you say certain, uh, uh, I don't know, like motivational phrases for yourself. I think finish needs to be the motivational word for Adafi Owe. He has got to finish and they're going to need him. And, you know, I know Tyus Bowser, he, he, you know, he spent some time on, on IR, but he came back and he looked strong as well. So you're right. You know, I think Chuck Smith, the coach his his ability to uh, teach them and, and help them with some of the, the tricks of the trade. I mean, that was his, you know, his thing, his whole flow was, you know, being a, a rush guy. So I, I think, yeah, overall, like bigger picture-wise, um, it might be one of those situations where once you see, like, both of them kind of tag-teaming off of one another, it could come in bunches, and that's what I'm hoping for. It comes in bunches, and he really, really – he, meaning Adape Owe, uh, really, really leads the, leads the pack and leads the way for everybody. Yeah, and going off what you said about Owe, he ended up talking, you know, when he spoke to the media, he said that last year sometimes he wouldn't really have as much of a plan where he would kind of get somewhere and then kind of freeze up and not really know what to do. Where I think this year he said he was more focused on kind of knowing what his steps are in progressing through that plan throughout the course of a snap and, and throughout the course of a play. So for him, I think he understands what he needs to do. And and almost, you know, both those guys, I don't want I don't want it to get lost in everything that both Owe and Ajabo started football late. I mean, these were guys who weren't playing, you know, when they were super, super little. They started the game late, and so they are still learning. You know, that that's a thing. But at the same time, 
at the NFL level, there's not there's not a lot of sympathy for that if you're not producing. You know, you got to produce out there. And we, we've said it, Q, time and time again, this is a what have you known for me now lately. So if, if, if they're not doing it, then they're not doing it for you lately. And that could be an issue. It certainly can. I mean, the 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 stage is set. You know, you got Burrow Pickett, um, Deshaun offseason fully, Watson. Like, you're going to have to make some noise in your own division if you're going to hit yourself to that ride that is Lamar Jackson and getting into the postseason. Yeah, and look, I think we can all agree that Lamar is the X factor. Lamar is the guy that makes the wheels turn. This team lives and dies by Lamar, but Lamar can't do it all by himself, both offensively and, of course, the defense and that's a big part of it too. So guys around him also have to produce. But if you want to, if you want to say, oh, one player, who's the one player for every team is a star. And for Baltimore, that star is Lamar Jackson. But coming up on our final segment, we talked a bit about the Ravens' schedule and getting Q's player perspective on a couple of nuances in that. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton of live into Unlocked on Ravens. Don't go anywhere. We're back rounding out Locked on Ravens here on Friday. Kevin Allstriker rounding out the week with Kadri Ismael on, on this Purple Friday. And Cue the Ravens schedule. We didn't get a chance to talk about it. We recorded for Thursday and the schedule came out on Thursday. So I, w- I want to get your initial perspective on it because I think for Baltimore, we talked about, well, wh- where are the primetime games going to fall? Are they going to get three? Are they going to get five? At six is the max. They got four and they're all kind of later in the year. They also have that stretch of the beginning of the season. Three AFC North road games in the first five weeks. They're done with that after week five. H- how'd you like how the schedule fell for them? You know, I really love the fact that you start off your season so AFC dominant and AFC North on the road because, one, if you're saying you're a good team, good teams, especially early on, they get seasoned, they travel on the road, and they travel well on the road. They get victories. They win them by, you know, large margins. They they win them in the fourth quarter on – two-minute drives, you know, they they win in a variety of ways. They win those tough-fought games, those uh, scoring uh, matches. They do all those different things, and they come out with victories. I'm not saying that this is a team that, you know, needs to go 4-0 to start off their first quarter of the season. But what I am saying is that they need to get off to a strong start, period. Um, so we're looking at a situation where, as that end of the year comes, it will match up more favorably towards you. Obviously, you got to go to London. Obviously, you got your December bye, which I think is going to be really critical. And then ultimately, when it comes to uh, Christmas, all right, you know, tell Santa he's going to have to chill out, talk to the kids, whatever, and dad's going to be on TV, you know. Uh, but that's so be it. And then what I love, love, love is that um, you got Pittsburgh – at home and you're going to season yourself up with a great matchup at home against the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, that, that's all going to be key. And you mentioned that by some people are not very thrilled about that whatsoever. I know for me, I think my preference, and again, I didn't play. So, you know, you're going to provide that player perspective for me, but that, that week nine, 10, 11, I think early in the year, that's kind of like the disaster case for me where it's like, then you have to go the rest of the year and you don't get a break. But I, what I took solace in the fact with the week 13, kind of the end of the year by is the fact that at that point, 
everybody needs rest at that point. Everybody's banged up. Everybody's injured. So if you didn't get the week nine, 10 buy, I think getting the later buy is much better than getting the earlier buy. But you tell me, Q, you, you player perspective, what did you kind of like when you saw your schedules and where you wanted that buy to be positioned? Oddly enough, we would have a half a season by. It would come right at the right time without fail, whether or not we were a very successful team or whether or not we were a team that uh, struggled and, and then got on a roll after a bye. Uh, typically, the teams that I played on, we played well after a bye. Um, it's just one of those things where for this team, I just get a sense and a feeling that having – an early opportunity uh, to, to go on a run, then kind of take a deep breath, breathe for that little final stretch. It, it, it really matters. And, and you don't really have another team that you have to go up against that's coming off of their buy. Remember we had that weird schedule the one year, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, you know, it just was like, what the heck are you guys doing with us? But uh, I think this is a, this, this sets up really well. Yeah, there weren't any any weird quirks. Like that Cleveland Pittsburgh Cleveland thing was unreal. <laughs> like the fact the fact that the schedule makers had that happen and people were coming off their buys. The Ravens, you talked about it. Don't play a team that comes off of their buy. I believe that's the stat this year. So that's going to be really key for them. But the four primetime games, I'm I'm excited for those. You start off week 11 is the first one. That's at home Cincinnati. And then you get the Chargers, Jacksonville, and San Francisco. I mean, all four of those games are going to be incredible primetime games. I wish there was one more at M&T Bank Stadium. It's one at home and three on the road. But I think when you're talking, we had that conversation last week about, well, where where does the NFL view the Ravens? Because Lamar got injured the past two seasons. That kind of impacted their end of the year stuff. Obviously, you know, you can't bank on injuries. Injuries happen, but who's it going to be? You know, it's not just like one player is going to do that. But I still think that this this was a fine number for Baltimore. I think that four was a fine number. And the fact that the matchups are so good, I think makes it a little better too. Yeah, I, you know, I, I honestly look at the top teams – just because you were a top team last year, there is no guarantee whatsoever in this league. You got to earn everything. Everything has to be earned. And I think the Ravens are fully aware of the last two years, partly due to F minus. But now that F minus is no longer in the building, it gives you a, a stronger chance to, to be, I think, prepared. Um, yeah, I think this is one of those cases where the schedule works itself out right and it doesn't matter that you're going on the road i think it's great that you get seasoned and have to take on san francisco uh in an uncomfortable environment i think it's going to help the final two home games of the year when you got to really really uh see what seating you're going to have based off those victories into the final portion to get into the playoffs yeah, and we, we knew they were going to be traveling. I mean, the, the West Coast trips to San Francisco and Arizona, the, the London trip as well. But to end, the, to end the year at home like they are against both Miami and Pittsburgh, as you talked about a tiny bit there, Q, I think that's so big for them just to kind of relax a little bit, know they're not going to have to travel for those final two games. And if look, if it's a stretch, we talk about this, and it was our first couple of shows we did together. You, you mentioned that AFC start where we talk about, you know, AFC record. And we, we've kind of mentioned it here and there being like, well, obviously the NFC, you want to win every game. 
but the NFC games from a seeding perspective, you know, maybe division races, wild card races don't matter as much. That first six weeks when it's, you know, Texans and those AFC North games and Indianapolis and Tennessee and how you end the year with Miami and Pittsburgh, those two AFC games to end the season, if they're fighting for the division, if they're fighting for a wild card spot, fighting for seeding, those two could, you know, we talk about make or break, that could make or break either where the Ravens are positioned or their playoffs altogether. Yeah, make or break is right. Um, I just think for what we're seeing with this team, let them get into December healthy. I honestly think there are enough guys on that team, playoff-wise, like if they have an idea of where they're going to go and they're really like – if the OAs are doing their job and if the motivation of the Robinsons and, 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 and the Jabos and, and, you know, all of that, like, my goodness, if we're not looking at some catastrophic, you know, knee injury from a defensive back, knock on wood, bruh, we're going to be all right. I really do believe this is a, this is a good, I don't know. It's just, this is just good. It's good. It's, 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 it's a solid opportunity, and and I'm looking forward to to seeing what it what it unfolds as the year goes on. Yeah, and you know we're we're still early enough in the off season where you know we're obviously not early in it, but early enough where this team can still be built. There are still other avenues for them to improve. Maybe at a corner, maybe at an outside linebacker, a defensive lineman. So they have depth at a lot of positions already. If they can just round that out, even if they go through injuries, which you know every team does, they will. I, I still think that they can have guys step up in those absences. You know, Lamar is a different, like if Lamar gets injured again, obviously again, he's, he's the heartbeat of this team. A, a lot kind of goes out the window. If Lamar's not playing for you, but they have depth all over the place and hopefully they'll be able to use that to their advantage and hopefully round out the rest of the roster as the weeks and months continue before the year. But Q, I appreciate you for hopping on. Thank you so much for joining me. And, and next week, you know, we're kind of in the lull period of the off season where things are starting mm -hmm. to slow down a little bit, but OTAs, they'll be, they'll be here before we know it. And uh, that, that'll continue the trend training camp preseason and then regular season will be here too. Training camp is really what makes it all happen. I think that's where you kind of bond as a team. And so right now, this is the preparation phase. Like you said, this is the, this begins the dry season, but this begins the, the buildup, the calm before the storm, before everything starts to get real. Yeah, and I guess there's really no calm when we're talking about Lamar Jackson being there or not being there. There's always something to talk about because people make up storylines and, and figure stuff out. But we will see what Lamar Jackson attendance watches. That's what I'm calling it. The Lamar Jackson attendance watch will be. But again, until we get to training camp, I'm not putting emphasis on it. But that's all I have for you here today. Thank you so much for tuning in to Locked On Ravens. We'll get back here on Monday. More Ravens content from us. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And I'll see you right back here on Monday.